This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Hello, welcome to a second Garibaldi Red of the week as we look back on Nottingham Forest's big win at Blackburn as they climbed into the top six, unbelievably, almost for the first time this season. And we look ahead to the game against Stoke City on Saturday. And to do that, first of all, we're joined by Reds fan Michael Temple. Hello, Temps, you are? Hey, Matt, good, thank you. Good, good. And our second guest today, making his debut on the podcast, is Stoke Constant Lives Stoke City reporter Pete Smith. Hello, Pete, you okay? Yes, uh, thanks for having us, uh, Matt. No, no. Thank you for joining us. Even though I should say this is going out on the Stoke uh, Stoke Contract Live Stoke City page, so it's basically like a normal weekly video for us. But we're going to put it out on uh, YouTube and iTunes, so it feels. I'll do my best to hijack it as much as I can. I'll, I can just boot you out if you do that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start looking back on. <laughs> uh, start looking back on the Blackburn game. Um, me and you watched it on Sky Temps. It was not a good one for the blood pressure. As someone who takes blood pressure medication already, it was a bit too end to end. But it went for its way. Great game. Um, what did you make of it overall? Yeah, like you say, it's good to watch two attacking teams, wasn't it? And a uh, bit of uh, cat and mouse first half as we kind of worked each other out. But we just spoke beforehand. I think the way to get out of the championship is to take risks, and um, albeit with solid centre halves, pack your team full of creative players and, and, and goal scorers. Um, loads of confidence in Brennan Johnson when he when he took the penalty. Um, I think Keenan Davis was absolutely immense, um, typified by his his assist for um, Garner's goal. Um, it was the one time I've seen him go to ground actually, and he still managed to get up and and slip him in, and the the finish was um, very assured. So um, yeah, great to be in the top six. We spoke before about. Um, that, that kind of transition between, between being aspirant mid-table and being a, a genuine contender. And it was only a, you know, a few weeks before that we were talking about getting out of the relegation mire. So it still um, feels like you have to you know, pinch yourself at times being a Forest fan at the, at, at the moment. But the momentum is great. And last night's performance was a continuation of that theme. Um, Pete, Keenan Davis came close to joining Stoke in the summer. Yeah. Michael O'Neill, will he be kicking himself now? They couldn't get that one over the line, given how well he's doing at Forest. Well, yeah, I think we've already seen, and I watched a bit of last night myself, and you can see what a difference he makes at this level. Um, Stoke have missed that kind of striker, certainly, and especially because they've relied heavily on Stephen Fletcher um, since he joined a, a couple of summers ago. Uh, but he's he's thirty four. He, he plays through a lot of pain barriers, and when he's been missing or when he's carrying a knock. Um, it really affects Stoke. Hopefully, the business that's done in January um, will make amends for it. But yeah, he certainly would have been a big addition if they got him over the line in the summer. Part of that business went uh, from Stoke to Forest Temps. Forest signed Sam Surridge for about £2.2 million. Um, Stoke fans seemed happy to see the back of him. We'll ask Pete about that in a minute. But Forest fans are also a little bit reticent. And you, I remember you saying, give the lad a chance. He's done without you know too much actual minutes on the pitch. I mean, he's he's done a good job, hasn't he? He got in a penalty last night as well. 
Yeah, he's done well. I mean, he, he hasn't um, set the world on fire. There was a, a chance that um, he kind of half created for himself last night, found half a yard and hit Rosette. Um, but what I was more impressed with, with, this, with the strength of his running and the way that he managed to, to twist the centre-half inside out and, and by that, um, that penalty, which sealed the game um, last night. So I think he's been, he's been signed to be the 70-minute man, hasn't he? To come on when Keenan Davis or, or Lewis Graben are perhaps a little bit um, spent. I've got no expectation that he's going to be um, an out-and-out goal scorer. Um, but he can do a job when called upon. I think he's got a lot more um, improvement uh, within him. He's familiar to Steve Cooper. And, yeah, I think off the back of last night, he's earned the right to um, get some more minutes under his belt in the running. He looked desperate to score. In fact, everyone celebrated on the final whistle and he had his head in his hands because uh, Sandy Silva fizzed one across the box. Uh, too much on it. We could talk about Zande Silver putting too much on it, and perhaps a bit, a bit uh, in a different episode. But we'll focus on other stuff in this one. Um, he, he's obviously desperate to score goals, prove a point to Stoke, maybe Pete. What went wrong? Do you think for him? Well, I think um, players sometimes just end up at clubs where they don't fit, and that's clearly what happened. Uh, in his first few weeks at Stoke, he was getting into good positions. Uh, Michael O'Neill kept saying that he's doing, doing that part of the game quite well. We hope we can get more out of him around the box and his link-up play can improve. We see that in him. And then it just kind of never happened. That, that uh, his, his progression kind of stalled and we, we didn't really see much of him after end of September, really. Um, very quiet lad by all accounts. And um, I think when the, when, the, when the chance came up to moving on permanently, I think they were quite happy to recoup pretty much all the money and end that chapter and just say, well, this one hasn't worked, let's park it and... and and move on. Um, as we said at the top, Fletch, um, Fletch who's Fletch? <laughs> you know Fletch, Temps. Um, Forrester into the top six for the first time this season. Cooper played it down afterwards, saying it didn't mean anything. I kind of think it does, because they've had a couple of opportunities to get into the top six and blown it each time at Borough and Cardiff. Do you see a big psychological uh, advantage in actually getting into the top six, or is Cooper right? Well, I, I don't believe Cooper when he says that, and I think it's uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's a line he'll be using in his um, in his pre-match. You know, we're, we're we're there now. Let's 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 stay there, or even continue to continue to to kick on because, um, as as Pete made the point beforehand, there is a a state of flux. The Championship table. There's teams that have played 28 games, teams that have played um, 31. So it creates a, a bit of a um, false impression, but. Yeah, look. If, of course, it of course it matters. It's where they want to end up, and it's a, um, a representation of where their performances this season um, have have led them to. And it's been an almost impossible mountain to climb, even to get to to this point. So, yeah, psychologically, I think it's um, massive. I think it proves a point to the players that the belief he's um, given to them and the results and performances that he's um, demanded were within them. Um, they've got themselves to a, a point now um, that they won't want to slip back from. So, so yeah, I, I, I don't underestimate the psychology, Matt, as you say, of being in possession of a playoff spot. Do you think um, that game was a one-off temps in the sense it was so gung-ho, so back and forth? Obviously, Cooper said, you know, we'll go toe-to-toe with these and uh, see if we come out on top. 
is that sustainable at Bournemouth and in all these other games? Will we see Forest play different ways and be a bit more horses for courses, perhaps? You've got well, you've got to dare to lose, haven't you? And put the ball at risk and pick these players that um, perhaps don't um, put the same uh, emphasis on 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 on, on defence. And then you look at the personnel that he's got and people like Jed Spence and, and Max Lowe seem to find this incredible balance between, um, you know, making making attacking runs, having possession in the final third um, without seemingly neglecting their, their duties in, in marking the marking the wide man. If I was setting up against Forrest, I don't think I'd park the bus. I think I'd look at the form and the goals that they score and think my best chance of getting out, out of this with, with something is to take risks myself, is to forward. Because if you just park up with two banks of four or a bank of four and a bank of five and just let Brennan Johnson run at you for 90 minutes, there's going to be a chance at, at some stage. So, yeah, fair play to, to Blackburn. I mean, I know they've had a bit of a wobble, but they were they were second in the table. Brereton's been banging them in. So they obviously thought, you know, why, why not continue doing what's got us to this point, throw caution to the wind. They weren't dummies, were they? They looked assured in possession. They tried things. They committed players forward. Um, but no, I don't think it's a one-off from Forest. I think we'll continue to set up with with attacking intent. Um, let's look ahead to the weekend. Then we were saying before we start recording, if you go from sixth, which is Forest on forty-six points, down to Blackpool in fourteenth on forty-one points, it's a very condensed table. Um, Soaker eleventh on forty-two. It's a big game for Stoke, obviously a big game for Forest, but a big game for Stoke as well, isn't it, Pete? Yeah, it's, it's interesting then talking to Michael about the, the psychological impacts of being in the top six, and that must mean a lot. But it does feel like where you're going to be when the music stops this season. There's about 14 teams are challenging for two two or three spots. And uh, Stoke, have got it, Stoke have got the squad to be able to have a real good go at it, I think. The squad is certainly stronger than it was at the start of January. They need the best run of the season to, to be back up there, um, but they've got it in them. Uh, the, the problem is that if they can, they need to, to win games in a row, and we haven't seen a Stoke team do that for about five or six years. So um, they've, they've won occasionally back to back. They've won three games once in the past five years. Can they go on and win? It's probably 11 out of the last 17. Um, I, I think in a, in a pretty NAF championship that's that's within the uh within the within their realm uh but yeah it's a they're gonna have a lot of these six pointers against the teams around them and they can't certainly can't afford to drop too many points in those games in particular i guess the challenge for forest now attempts is you've got to try and uh cement this place as much as you can as pete says a couple of bad results and you're back down in mid-table but a couple of good results and you've really got one foot in the playoffs if they win three or four more games in relatively quick succession yeah, that's it. I mean, we were reflecting on those um, wins over Leicester, Arsenal, Derby, and then saying, if we then have a bad trot against Blackburn, Stoke, Bournemouth, it's, uh, it's it's quickly forgotten, isn't it? But it's a chance to put daylight between us and Stoke. And on the flip, they'll be saying if they can win, it's um, you know there's a I think there'd be a, a point between us. So yeah, huge game. But they all are now. You know, we're not meandering towards just finishing above the relegation zone or towards 12th, 13th place of, you know, mid-table obscurity, we're, we're trying to crack the crack the playoffs and not wanting to get into a wobble as we did a couple of years ago where, you know, it comes down to goal difference on the on the final day. We want to get entrenched. So, 
Yeah, every game's every game's huge. You've seen the reaction of the players. You've seen the reaction of the supporters with regular 28, 29 um, thousand attendances um, at Forest. So, yeah, this is a massive game on Saturday, one that I'm, I'm really looking forward to as much, if not more, than the Cup game last weekend. You're itching to mention that finals A game. I say, <laughs> you? I, yeah, I am. Uh, because it was such a unique uh, experience because, I mean, there's hardly anybody in the stadium, uh, but I've never been anywhere where there's been more than one person and it's been so silent at full time. Um, it, was, it, it was eerie. And uh, I was doing the commentary for, for Radio Stoke on the night as well. And uh, you couldn't help but laugh because the parts are just devastated. And if, if Stoke fans had been in there that night, they would have absolutely loved it. Um, because I mean that's why we all love football, isn't it? The high emotion of it, and and it couldn't get more more than that night. Just to seem to be coasting through, and then it just changed completely inside fifteen minutes. Um, I don't know if Forest feel that they owe Stoke one after that, or whether it's forgotten more quickly because there was no one in the stadium. Uh, but but uh, yeah, it's one of the the lucky few from the Stoke camp in that night. Um, I'll, I'll with that memory. For a long time, even though it, it, it didn't matter to Stoke that night, but it was uh, it was certainly a, it felt like an epic night for the championship. I don't think Forest have got a good record against Stoke recently. I mean, there was that goal. Uh, the, 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 do you remember the corner at the near post tense where God knows what Graben was doing, and it went in. I don't know if that was Samba's fault. And then Stoke won at the Britannia I bet three six five this season, didn't they? P and it was the most yeah, boring win you'll get. Yeah, the the the, um, the the three games after that four one have been exceptionally tight. Um, the one at Stoke last season was played out in in a fog where they had to put Chris Hutton in the uh, high vis vest at half time to make sure that people could see. Him. Um, I think it'll be really intriguing this this weekend. Uh, Steve Cooper's obviously done an incredible job, and um, uh, it would be a completely different game, obviously, than, than it was earlier in the season. But um, Stoke. Almost playing without fear at the moment. Um, you know, the hope is that they have a real, real good go at it and have a lot of fun uh, in for the rest of the season, regardless of if that's enough to get them into the top six. What's what's going on with Stoke for Forest fans? They've had this kind of almost a hard reset and just gone a bit wild in January and almost <laughs> yeah. started not quite started from scratch, but they've rebuilt their team on the fly. Yeah, Where is it going and can it work? Do you think? Well, yeah, the, the the big thing is that they've brought in players who, who've slipped straight in. Phil, Phil Jagielka obviously played um, every week for Derby and he's come in. He's 39 and he's come into a really young team. Stoke finished with eight players under 23 on, on Tuesday night. But Jagielka doesn't look like their granddad on the pitch. He, he's still very quick. Um, he's in good form. Uh, and straight through the middle, Lewis Blake has been, um, seems like a really important signing from Chelsea midfielder. He's, he's the all-round package, very athletic, um, but good on the ball, uh, good energy, um, good aura. He's influential. And uh, further forward, Nick Powell's returned from injury. Um, Josh Madger, obviously, who Forrest tried to sign in the summer, um, is trying to make an impression up front. So, yeah, he's a whole new spine almost. And Joe Bursic as well coming back in goal uh, after two months out injured. Uh, injured. Um, and it's been a surprise how quickly everything's looking like it's gelled. Although you look at them one week against Hull and against Swansea and you think, wow, this is a really good team. And then you realise, hang on, Hull and Swansea are really rubbish. 
and then they'll be tested in other weeks. They had a really good game against Fulham a couple of weeks ago, but I think this will be a really uh, interesting fixture this weekend. And I'm not, I'm not sure. I think it'd be very difficult to predict what's going to happen. Forest team selection is going to be quite interesting, Thames, isn't it? There's a comment here from David. You know, Surridge will be out to make a point. Maybe you start him. I can't see you drop Davis, but maybe you find a way to put them together and Davis plays a bit wider. Zinkenegger will want to come back in. Are you making any changes for this game? Yeah, I think Zinkenegger will come back in for uh, Garner or Colback. I envisage them being um, rotated somewhat now that um, Max Lowe is... Uh, back on the left-hand side and Colback doesn't have to become that uh, make weight. I think that Ryan Yates uh, has a certain resilience and um, seems to be um, consistently selected with without need for a rest. So I think too that Zinkenagel's inclusion is a, is, a, is a positive step at home. It's another um, runner, dribbler, assist maker, game breaker. Um, you lose a bit with with you know Garner or Colback not in the side, be it the the, the quality from um, set pieces or that that bit of bite that Colback has that um, is is perhaps lacking from um, Zinkenagel's game. But that's the one change I think we'll I think we'll we'll see. I don't think Surridge will start. I think he'll um, get his opportunity from the from the bench, um, and I hope that uh, Joe Worrell is fit to start. Um, doesn't seem to be any kind of reaction to his. Um, rib problems. So, yeah, one in, one out for me. Who was Stoke worried about, do you think, Pete, if anyone, on the Forest team? The Forest. Well, Brent, Brent Johnson's the man, isn't he? Um, Stoke have shifted to a back four in the last couple of games and they've looked better for it. They've been able to do it because they've got a better balance in midfield with Baker and they've got new options up front with um, uh, Villagin Bidis on, on loan from, from Villa. Um, but I think this, this will be a big test of the back four, a, a whole new back four almost. Uh, and Davies with his strength and Johnson with his pace um, will will be a, yeah, a massive challenge. And uh, the, the litmus test really, the acid test for for whether Stoke, um, this, this Stoke defence is any good. Uh, they held off a, a Swansea team pretty easily on Tuesday night. But as I, as I just said, um, me and you could have played Matt and we would have, we would have got to clean sheet. Tempts to uh, see me play. He'll answer no, I couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> In other words, they didn't have to do anything really. The game took care of itself. So, yeah, I, I think, as you said earlier, um, the, 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 perhaps they will look to um, to attack Forest. I think they've got enough in their armoury to to be able to, put, to, to, to ask Forest questions themselves. So uh, it should be exciting. So who are Forest, uh, who should they be worried about going the other way, as you mentioned there? Well, Nick Powell is, is the main man. I mean, when I, I did videos with Matt earlier in the season and we were saying Stoke have got a, have had a really strong start, but the two best players, Harry Suter and Nick Powell, if anything happens to them, then what will happen? And then sure enough, Powell's out for four months and Suter's out for the season. So it's been a huge blow for Stoke to be without those two. But Powell's come back and he's um, straight away, you can see his influence um, not everything's coming off for him on the ball, but he's got a really good knack of being able to win it back. Uh, he's the first to react to anything in the, in the final third, and then when he gets it, he can make things happen. You know, he's good enough to, to be able to do something with it. Um, so yeah, he's the danger man. Uh, Villagine Biddest on loan from Villa, you know, bag of tricks. He's quick. He uh, likes to take on defenders. Uh, I think you can see the, the white in defenders' eyes when they go up against a winger with um, like him in the championship. 
so that should be that should be interesting. And uh, Josh Tymon, who seems to have uh, saved good days for for, for this fixture, uh, he'll he's got good memories of the city ground, and um, he's playing a left back at the moment. But when he ventures forward, he can still be a big threat. Do you believe in these teams with the? You know, they've got the hex over your attempts. Obviously, Cardiff have had it over Forest, Sheffield Wednesday have had it, and Stoke seem to. Does that yeah. matter or not? I, I did in the past, and there, there are certainly statistical trends, aren't there? But I think we're in a fortunate position now where we're just being really inward looking. And when, when we lose, we, we have this mindset where um, it was because we didn't fulfill our potential rather than any kind of unlocking from the um, opposition. And I kind of feel like that now because of the trot that we're on. Uh, we're not looking or concerned about um, particular players in the in the Stoke squad. Whereas at the start of the season or the back end a couple of years ago, when we were on in, in a really bad run of form, um, you, you kind of look out and make plans for how you're going to, you know, manage any particular uh, matchup, and you can get yourself into a bit of a, a negative uh, mindset. I think when sportsmen um, are delivering at their their, their very best, it's because they're just single single mindedly focused on what they can do, what they can affect, rather than the fella in the in the other shirt that's trying to um, take it away from them. So, um, no, I don't think they are particularly concerned about anyone in particular. And just on that game of football that we played against each other, Matt, I remember it was quite an oh, old-tempered game, actually. It was. I, will, I will credit I'll credit you because of the 11 lads on the post team, I think you were the only one that came back to the pub for a beer afterwards. So, credit to you. That's true. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. I thought you were going to praise his football skills. Oh, no, no, he's not going to do that. It was horrendous. I'll what, tell you. What was the score? Been, I think it was, about, it was it, probably about 5-2 or something like that. Seven yellow cards. Invited everybody back. And fair play, Matt Davis came out of pint with us. Yeah. Oh, it was the... Um, <laughs> people don't want to hear this, Pete, but I'll tell you, mate. It was our advertising reps mostly and a couple of editorial people, and I was the youngest, against... Um, Trent Bridge Community Trust and England international Jake Ball played <laughs> pure athlete. No wonder they beat us. So yeah, it has to be magnanimous and go back to the pub in defeat. Definitely. Yeah. Tempest is a good player. I'll put that out there. He loves a free kick in the top corner and never, never hear the end of it. As I um, say, Stoke fans will be amazed, I think, that any Forest fan thinks that Stoke have got a hex over Forest. I don't think Stoke particularly think they've got a hex over anybody. Apart from <laughs> Apart from Arsenal, but that was uh, that was a few years ago now. But um, there, there was a period for about five or six years when um, Stoke used to beat Arsenal at the Britannia, and Arsenal, the, the the mix zone when I was interviewing players is right right outside the players' exit, and when the doors open, it's a really long corridor to the visitors' changing room. And for five or six years in a row, uh, Arsenal Bengit used to do this walk from the from the door to to the exit. Just down this corridor is me standing at the end, with the biggest smile on my face, and he was the grumpiest man. And uh, he, I go, "All right, awesome," and he jump on the coach and uh, wouldn't come back for another year. But there's yeah. a few falsehoods about Stoke, and I think Arson used to have this thing about you know trying to pre-warn the referees about the kind of tactics and frequency of yellow cards. I'm pretty sure that season it was proven Arsenal had far more yellow cards than, mm. than Stoke. Yeah. My 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 like abiding um, thought on Stoke is it's it's the loudest ground I've ever been to. I went to a few Premier League games there um, when I was a little bit younger, and yeah, that that place is an absolute noise machine. Yeah, when when the team's doing well and when when they've got the fans on their back, it's a brilliant place to play football. And I think over the last few years, we've seen it on the flip side as well that when when they're not being good enough, um, it's probably counted against them. 
and the, 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 there have been games, uh, particularly under the previous managers, when stud players have been nervous, <laughs> they haven't wanted to play at home. And that's been one of Michael O'Neill's biggest challenges to turn that back around and make sure it's in their favour again. And hopefully, fingers crossed, that's uh, that table's turned. Right, we, we shall finish in a way we don't normally do, with predictions. I hate predictions because I think they're pointless. But come Monday morning, I'm hoping to be able to uh, throw it in Pete's face in Forest win. So we'll do a prediction each. Um, Pete, you're the guest of honour. What's your prediction score-wise to the game? Uh, nil, nil. Well, that's boring. <laughs> <laughs> don't get many nil-nils with Forest these days. Temps, what are yeah. you saying? Yeah, Forest will score. Sorry, Pete, your, your guess is invalid. Um, I think Forest will win two nil. Backers for the backers for the clean sheet. Um, I think we'll get ahead relatively early. They'll chase the game, and we'll we'll, we'll pick them off with a, a decisive second. So yeah, yeah. First, first goal will be really important. I'll say two one. I think I, I, for the Blackburn game. Matt's going to no point as well. <laughs> Forest struggles to keep a clean sheet, I think, but uh, the two good going forwards. I think they'll beat Stoke 2 1, cement the top six place. Another stop on the promotion express. Right, we shall leave it there and we won't let Pete get another word in to tell me. <laughs> um, thanks to everyone who's watched along for whether you're a Stoke fan or a Forest fan and anyone who's dropped comments in. And uh, well, let's say we, uh, with the podcast will be back on Monday. I won't be here. So Clapson is hosting the next week. Uh, Temps, thank you very much as ever. Cheers, mate. Enjoy the game, fellas. And Pete, thank you very much. Yeah, cheers. And we'll see everyone soon.